0: Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi real lifers. I hope everyone is doing all right. I know it has been a crazy week, especially for those of you who are in Texas and Oklahoma. My heart goes out to absolutely everyone in Texas. I am so sorry for the um horrific week that so many of you endured without power or running water or having to be on water boil notices. I really hope things start to get better and encourage everyone to um, donate and to check on their friends and relatives and loved ones to make sure everyone's everyone's okay. Um, the good news is that it was a fabulous week in Bravo for for those of us who were lucky enough to have electricity and, and watch TV this week. I absolutely loved the premiere of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. I think it is going to be a spectacular season. And the rest of the shows were top-notch as well. So, I'm so excited about my guest today. Uh, many of you know Gibson Johns because of his live tweets of almost all of the Bravo shows. He is amazing and we just have this very like lovely, wonderful in-depth conversation breaking down lots of different Housewives tropes, thoughts on, you know, the New Jersey premiere, talking about whether or not children are really off limits, um, making comparisons between all of the franchises and getting into a lot of the nitty gritty of the, um, you know, why these women act the way that they do and, you know, who we relate to and who we don't relate to and subtext. And it's just one of my most favorite conversations. So without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it with Gibson Johns. Hi, everyone. I am here with the lovely Gibson Johns from he's the host and producer of We Should Talk. How are you doing, Gibson?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me back. I, I love ch- chatting with you. It's I so know.
0: fun. I'm so excited to have you back. Last time we spoke, this this project that you're doing or this this podcast we should talk hadn't been greenlit yet. But yeah. now you're having so many iconic guests, so many housewives, bravo celebrities, other celebrities. Like, how does it feel?
1: It's so I'm, I'm really excited. It's like, I, you know, we were working on this for a long time and the idea was always to have like a good mix of people on, you know, I think I kind of always I, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities over the years and I've always kind of felt that the most fun ones were sort of like the level that I care about the most, which is like the housewives reality star level people who were really let you in. And, and, you know, they're famous cause they're talking about their own lives on TV. So they'll they're down to talk th- about their own lives in the interview. And so you know, I think it's it's been fun because we've had like most recently Meredith Marks on. We um, had we're gonna have Margaret Josephs on in a couple weeks. We're gonna I have love her. <laughs> um, who also we had Ashley Darby and, and uh, Wendy during the Potomac season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a lot of great just like it. I, you know, I try to get get people who are currently in season who you know we can talk about everything that's going on and you know it just. It's it, there's nothing better than just hearing it, hearing it from straight from the source, you know.
0: I <laughs> know I love it, and I listen to it all the time. Oh, and thank you. It's so interesting though to hear the difference, I think, between like a first year housewife totally. and a veteran, mm-hmm. you know. So I can uh, imagine like Margaret Joseph's, while not a like OG, feels like an OG, you know, like how Dorinda had that kind of. Uh-
1: I totally agree. I actually basically said that to her when we were doing our inter- interview for this most recent one. Like to me, it feels like Margaret has been around and she's like just as integral to the show as as Teresa is at this point. I think yeah, like I I, I can't imagine Jersey without Margaret Joseph. And but like you said, sort of like when you, when you're interviewing these people, she can get away with more too. So like yes. she like like she's not afraid of the, of the PR machine. So she is like. She'll, she'll go there and she will like, just give you some of the tea that she knows she's like going to get away with telling. So, and she she also, she's a pro at like, you know, getting the excitement going too. So she's like hinting at some things and you know, she, she, I just love her. She's a queen, but I agree. It's sort of like the vet versus the newbie with Meredith, for example, I mean, she was great, but you know, we we sort of were talking about this before, but she dances around certain things and, and, and I totally get that because like, you know, she's, she's really wading into this new world that she's hasn't been a part of. And so she's probably pretty skeptical still of uh, skeptical of engaging if you, if we're going to use her terminology correctly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's sort of like a weird thing to navigate though, too, because you want to get enough good information out of them, even if they're new.
0: Yeah. When I was listening to your interview with her, I could like I felt like I could f- hear the wheels spinning in her head of like how do I say this without saying it? How do I say Absolutely. that without really like I don't want to, you know, this to come back and bite me. It's almost like she was like, okay, what did I learn at media training? What did I learn at media <laughs> <Exactly>. training?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the virtual media training they probably had to do. Yeah, exactly. Oh god.
0: Yeah, and virtual is not as easy mm, as
1: Not fun. Yeah, <sighs> exactly so Man. anyway yeah it, it's, it's been fun and so like I'm just I'm trying to mix it up like I you know I obviously Bravo is my number one it's my wheelhouse it's everything but it's technically a Bravo podcast so I have to mix it up um with who we're booking on the show so um next week's is actually going to be Tasha from The Bachelorette <gasps> which is really exciting oh my god yeah. so and we we've had a couple other kind of different different stars on um so yeah, so it's, I'm I'm trying to mix it up. I'm trying not to get like fully like we've done like four or five Bravo ones in a row. So it's sort of like okay, it's time to like get somebody else in there. So Tayshia well, was a really good and one it's a to great time
0: there. to talk to her with what's gov- going on Absolutely. in the Bravo franchise with racism and you know she's the most recently uh, engaged bachelorette.
1: Yeah,
0: and. I am a huge fan of her and her fiance, Zach Clark. I was, I'm a big fan of like how the franchise was able to navigate his um, journey and story of um, substance abuse disorder Mm -hmm. and sobriety. And I thought it showcased it in a light that America needed to see.
1: I think that entire season was really well done, actually. Like, I mean, after we got past the Claire of it all, um, I think Taysha was like, honestly, pretty much like a perfect bachelorette because she, I I think there's something to be said about having like, I mean, it's all relative, but like in the, in terms of the Bravo universe, having a slightly older lead, I think makes for this like more in depth conversation, uh, makes more for more serious relationships. There's a lot less of the like catty drama that we're seeing on the current season of the bachelor. And so I think on Tayshia season, like she was willing to go there. Like they were they talked very openly about Zach's uh, sobriety and, and uh, you know, addiction issues she had that amazing conversation with Ivan about black lives matter. Like to me, like that just made for such an amazing season of TV and the fact that she just like stepped into this role. So last minute, like I just thought it was really, really well done. Um, And when we talked, it was actually like, it was before the Chris, it was when the Chris Harrison stuff was like just about to blow up. So I think the interview had, either happened that day or something and so she sort of addressed it but not as in depth as she did like the next day on her instagram story but um it still was really amazing to hear her perspective as she was the she's the first ever biracial lead of of the bachelor the bachelorette and i mean i can't believe it like took them 20 years to for that to happen but um she has a great perspective on all that stuff so um it was fun to hear from her for sure
0: Oh, that's so exciting! And she's in yeah. New York City too, so exactly. maybe you guys she's, can she's hang new out at some point.
1: <laughs> in my dreams, yeah.
0: In my dreams. <laughs> well, speaking of your dreams, like who would be your most iconic guest that you would? I mean, I, I think I, can, I think I know who you would say, but
1: are we thinking like Bravo or just in no,
0: general? not?
1: Oh, I mean, ugh, this is just
0: Taylor Swift.
1: I mean, Taylor's definitely (laughs) up there. There's so much I want to know. Like, there's so much I want to know from T-Swift, especially these days when she's, like, a lot more Mm -hmm. tight-lipped. I mean, my personal number one, like, across any sphere is Serena Williams. Like, she's my personal hero. And I would just love to, like, there's so many – I've been following her for, like, 20 years now. And – I would, there are just so many little things that I would love to ask her about, like specific, probably like about certain matches or like certain relationships with other players, and yeah. like I think that she she has such an interesting story that I've again been following for a while, so she'd be amazing. Um, I think when it comes to reality TV, ooh, who is like the dream? I mean, I think honestly, maybe like a year or two ago, I would have said Bethany who I've interviewed before but like her podcast is not doing it for me these days so um I think she's kind of lost the plot so um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good way of putting what's going on with Bethany
1: (laughs) I agree yeah I don't know if you've listened to her podcast but it's just like it's literally like every two minutes there's an ad and um I mean she's had great caliber of guests but it's just there's something off about it for me I'm not sure what it is something
0: off about her I think yeah
1: yeah yeah there's Maybe she needs that. I think she maybe needs the show more than she realizes in terms of like tethering herself. But I don't know. That's a whole rabbit hole we can get into, I guess, with Bethany.
0: We we don't (laughs) need to go down the Bethany rabbit hole. I did a couple weeks ago with Steven from Faces by Bravo. And we went into Bethany versus Carol and Mm. kind of spent like a half an hour deep diving into it. And both of us were team Carol at the time and felt very gaslit by the rest of the community that watched the show.
1: I was team Bethany. And so I, but I think in hindsight, it is really interesting to look at that situation because um, I do think that actually at that point to, to use this phrase I just used, I think Carol had slightly lost the plot with Definitely. her, with like her self-awareness because I think that what I loved about Carol in her first couple seasons was how self-aware she was and how well she read the room. And like, she was sort of that voice of the people and her confessionals. And she was like, I, I, lo- I mean, I love Carol, but in that last season that she was on, I think there was a point that Bethany was making in terms of like sort of the way that Carol had changed. But like, wow, like I mean, Carol was right in a lot of ways that I didn't give her credit for back then. (laughs) I think it's
0: easy to see both sides. And that's what I actually love. And I'm excited to get into this week is that I do think it is possible to see lots of different sides of an argument with these women. And I love that two people can watch the exact same show and come away with completely different thoughts. And that's what I find beautiful about The Housewives.
1: I totally agree. And that's what I like about being on Twitter for it. Like, that's why I live to totally. you all the time. Because I do like seeing the different discussion that d- discussions that are had, the different points of view that people take on it. Like, sometimes people will reply to my tweets and, like, I'll be like, how did you think that from what I just saw? Because, like, <laughs> I, I just know. saw something totally different. Um, and, I, and I love that. Like, I, I love, like, realizing that there actually are people who – Stan Jen Shaw or I love that there are people that like who What I I cannot relate to that at all but like the the thing that I you know I think what you said in terms of like you can see both sides is I think what happens on when we're when this discourse does happen especially on social media is like it's so frustrating when people think that you have to be one or the other and you can't be you can't be the Karen Huger and be in the middle and see both sides like like people don't accept that from you and I think that's so frustrating because it's like it's not these issues are just not black and white, like pretty much ever. And so it's like, let, 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 let us be sort of like malleable and, and become be like kind of fluid in terms of what we're thinking about with these things. Cause it's like, you know, there's so much discussion to be had. So if you stick to one team the whole time, it's not really that much fun.
0: I 100% agree. I can easily be swayed.
1: Yes, same. (laughs) Sway me today. (laughs) You started
0: this week out by posing a question on Twitter to Mm. folks who watch Bravo and said, at what point are children off limits? And this was before Jersey premiered. And a lot of people started replying. And I thought the best reply was Brian Moylan, who was saying, you know, if the child is is over eighteen and they get paid from being on the show, then it's fair game. But other than that, you shouldn't deal with the kids. You shouldn't address mm-hmm. them. What are your thoughts on that? How did you find like that discourse?
1: Yeah. So I posed that question because I had just watched the Jersey reunion a little the Jersey premiere just a little bit early because I was interviewing Margaret. So I wanted so I, I prefer watching the premiere and you know, we had I had seen that first clip, sort of that, that had been floating around the internet about the, that for opening, like first two minutes between Jackie and Teresa. But that clip left out what Jackie said in in response to, to Teresa, which was, you know, the analogy she used. Whether that whether you think that was ill fated or not, she used that analogy about Gia, and to me, it was it. I was really shocked when I saw that moment for the first time because I was like, whoa, like where would this come from? Um, and sort of like you know, my, I think my initial thought was, okay, she probably crossed the line there because, you know, it's a kid. But then I was like, wait, Gia is in college. Gia has had confessionals on this show. Gia has been around this show for 10 years. And, you know, I, I think I agree with Brian in that, like, if you're over 18, if you are choosing to be part of the show in, like, a bigger way than just maybe filming a couple scenes here and there to, like, you know to help your mom like talk something out or something, which Gia falls into that category. She has actively chosen to be sort of like, I think maybe in in the absence of Joe, which is like, she sort of became like Teresa's secondhand figure. Um, She didn't have to do that, but um, I do think that like Jackie bringing her into that conversation, I get the argument of like that being cross of of that crossing a line because Gia had nothing to do with that situation. Whereas like, a Brooks Marks, who, who is, you know, kind of, like, instigating something with Jen Shaw by, like, talking smack about her, that, to me, is, like, totally fair game. He's in his 20s. He does confessionals. He took a semester off of college to be part of the show. Um, to me, that is, like, a total no-brainer. Um so I think it's not as cut and dry, but like I I agree. If like if you're eight, over eighteen, you're choosing to be part of the show, which a lot of the kids don't choose to be part of the show. Like mm-hmm. that's where you can really compare it. Is like there are, there are enough of these kids who don't want anything to do with the cameras. So and and they just like aren't around.
0: Like so, Dolores's daughter, we've totally. seen her once.
1: Sonia's daughter, mm-hmm. Sonia's daughter, who we've never been on camera, who like it's hard to find a picture of her. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like that's I mean that, that's a great example and. I think that there's proof. It's like, if we're like that aware of, of these kids, it, that's a choice. And so I think, and they're not kids anymore either. Right. You know, it's like, when do you stop using that, that term anyway? So I don't know. I, I love the discussion that, 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 sparked. And like, I didn't even expect all, all that discussion to come, to come back. And like, there are some people who think that like kids are always off limits no matter what. And it's sort of like, okay, but if the person's 25 years old, they're an Avery
0: Singer, you know? They're an
1: Avery Singer. Avery yep. Singer's an interesting example, I think. She because she
0: didn't choose to be on when she was 12, right? That was her parents' totally. choice to have her film. But now that she is out of college and an adult and working, she's choosing to film.
1: Totally. And I'm actually surprised that Avery's never done, like, a confessional. Maybe this coming season we'll see that from her. But, like, I don't think Avery's ever done a confessional. But she is actively involved in filming, I think I remember last season um, when she was down in Florida watching with Ramona and she was like talking shit about Leah on her Instagram story. And like, to me, like, okay, girl, like you're putting yourself in there and you are, (laughs) and Leah like kind of called her out. And I think actually this discussion like sort of was slightly had at the time because Ramona was like, don't go after my daughter. And it's like, okay, your daughter's like 25 years old and she's talking shit about your castmate. Like, of course, Leah can go after her in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. it's so interesting how, so, you know, in this argument between Teresa and Jackie, and it just, Jackie was trying lots of different ways to get through to Teresa, saying, you spread a rumor about my husband cheating on me that was harmful. It hurt me. And, like, these are the ways it hurt me, and this is how it felt. And, like, Teresa's just, like, not connecting with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, Jack in Jackie's mind, she's like, who is the only, who's the person that like she loves the most in this world that I can compare, like how I feel about my husband, Evan, how, you know, and for her, it's her eldest daughter, Gia, who is over 18, the only child that is over 18 of hers, Mm -hmm. and saying, well, you know, I heard Gia does coke in the bathroom at parties. And it's an outlandish thing to say. There's no truth in it. She has no proof of that. Right. And that's exactly the same thing as Teresa saying, you know, I hear Evan cheats on Jackie when he goes to the gym. Like, but I have no proof and I don't know, but who,
1: but I don't know who told it to me. Exactly. You know, it's like, come on.
0: And yeah. I guess there are people who seem to think that the allegations of drug use are more harmful than allegations of infidelity in a marriage that has been going on for over a decade. I'm not one of those people, <laughs> you know. Right, and right. it's weird that so Gia went on Twitter this week, and I don't think she's someone who's very um, big on Twitter. And so she's I don't like, think so either you know, back and she's saying basically like, well, Jackie and Evan are happily married, but I'm suffering consequences of what happened, and I want to be like, what consequences are you suffering? And Jackie and Evan being happily married, like that took work to get exactly. through this that wasn't just an oh they're just happily married regardless of what Teresa said they were brought through we heard, the ringer
1: we heard Jackie say that it was the hardest day of her life when she had to tell Evan that this quote-unquote rumor was going around which I don't believe was ever actually a rumor and so it's sort of like I don't know I think I think that like the Jackie and Teresa of it all is so it's such great TV because there's such they're such like great foils for one another. It's like, like Jackie is like everything that Teresa's not. And I think that Ch- Jackie hit the nail on the head when, when Teresa stormed out of the room and Jackie was like, I'm living a life that you want to live. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that. And you know, it's something that Teresa probably would never admit ever, but Jackie does articulate herself w- way better than Teresa does. Jackie does understand situations way better than Teresa does. Teresa's an amazing real housewife who like is down to, say what everyone else is, is scared too, too scared to say. And she's down to do what, what needs to be done to, like, get the season off to a good start, I would say. But, like, because she's a pro in, in that way. But I'm so thankful for Jackie to be around because the show needed somebody to actually challenge Teresa and somebody who was not afraid to challenge Teresa. And I think, you know, there are people that will call Teresa on her shit, but, like, they're all you know at the end of the day they're all going to end up making an excuse for her and say that she's been through so much and like her and and any bad behavior is excused by like her life experiences on this for the past 10 years and like to me that's that's bullshit at this point i think you know Teresa's in a a much better place than she was five years ago when she was in prison so it's like like at one point are the rest of you going to stop making excuses for her enter jackie who's not gonna make any fucking excuses for teresa's behavior and she's gonna go head to head with her and so like to me like that moment was so it was a long time coming because like jackie teresa are oil and water like i like i think i said that on twitter like they were they were never gonna be friends there's like they have i mean other than the fact that they both have a lot of kids like they don't have very much in common i don't think and
0: And at, it's, Jackie's um, a different type of mother and different type of wife than I think absolutely. what Teresa thinks is the gold standard. And because Jackie is successful in being a mother and a wife and that her kids and her husband appear to be happy and healthy, I think it's like not computing for Teresa. Like you're not doing it the right way.
1: Teresa has such an old school mentality about about men's and women's roles, first of all. Um, I think that's, that's totally accurate. Um, I think, you know, Jackie had a legit has a legit career that she had for a long time that Teresa, I mean, now, obviously, Teresa has a has a career as a reality star, and I'm not diminishing that. But I think that there's something to be said about like, sort of how Teresa sort of feels about her being a lawyer and her being a writer. And, and it gets back to also like, I keep on seeing this pop up on Twitter, like, the picture of Jackie at Teresa's book signing from like eight years ago. And people are like, Jackie's a stalker. Like Jackie wants to be Teresa. Like that was a first season storyline that had no credibility. Like, okay, she went to a book signing. She watched the show and was a fan of Teresa's. That means nothing. You know, like, I'm just sort of like, I'm tired of that whole point of view. Like I'm, I'm so done with that. Like that's, there, there, again, there's no credence in that. Like, I'm just I think people are grasping at straws because they know Jackie's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean Heather Gay was a fan of Bravo and is now a top tier housewife. Exactly. So I don't think it matters if someone had been a fan or a viewer. You can transition from being a viewer to being on screen.
1: Absolutely. I think. I think. I think that that was so, that's sort of like a. It's a little bit of a dated defense of like the 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 vet housewives to like say that you know a new edition has like watched the show or whatever like at this point anybody who's joining has watched the show has studied the housewives playbook and like that's just part of the reality and like i think it's making as we're seeing on salt lake city it's making for like an interesting new dynamic on these shows which is like people who are pretty more are like more self-aware than 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 the the vets were but i'm done with that argument like it just it's you're right like people people are very able to make that transition and Jackie and Heather are both really good
0: examples of that yeah what i love about housewives or what i enjoy watching the most is two people who didn't get along at one point finding a way to connect over something maybe Unexpected or something they didn't realize they both had in common and I don't know when it's going to happen this season but I believe from social media that Dolores and Jackie will become friends and that Mm. is something I'm really interested in in particular because I took great offense to how Dolores spoke to Jackie last season when she said you know you're cut from a different cloth like I'm Jewish Jackie's Jewish I took it that way yeah. I don't know if Dolores meant it that way. And I don't think she has a hateful bone in her body, but I didn't like how it was said. And I feel like Jackie is finding a way to connect with Dolores. And I think Dolores is a very kind hearted woman who is open. And I I can't wait to watch it unfold. Totally,
1: I actually love the discussion that, that came from that. I, I'd forgotten about that moment. um, And I think it was really good that that was called out. Like even, even again, if that wasn't Dolores's intention, I think there was definitely like a read between the lines aspect of that comment and again i'm so excited that jackie has stood up for herself and and really kind of taken a stand against these like really strong-willed women who are in this in this group and she came in and she came out swinging and she is standing her ground um but i agree that jackie and dolores is interesting and i think we saw maybe not as extreme but i think margaret and dolores had like they they didn't get off on the right foot necessarily at the beginning um of margaret's time on the show because because of the time Siggy was around, who I you know now shall <laughs> she not be named. Hope like be I, named. <laughs> yeah, I cannot with her. I blocked her on Twitter. because so I was like can't. Um, but that, but the, she was around, and so she kind of prevented the Margaret Dolores relationship from flourishing. And now they're like tighter. I think than most people on the cast. Like Margaret always. Whenever I interview Margaret, she always tells me that she talks to Dolores every single day. And so I agree. Dolores is such a she has no bad bone in her body and to me it's like i love both Jackie and Dolores and i and i think that i think that, that them being able to find common ground and and create a, a, a real genuine friendship hopefully this season speaks to like the strength of this cast i think for a while like i've i think a lot of people say this but the jersey cast is so well balanced right now there's a reason why it hasn't changed for 3 years and but i and i think that for a while i, I think you know i naturally think of this cast as being sort of like 3 and 3 you know, it's sort of like Jen, Dolores, and Teresa, Margaret, Melissa, and Jackie. But like, it's actually more—it's actually way more complex than that. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I'm glad that it's more complex than that. And that's Jackie and Dolores is just another example of that.
0: And it's so interesting because they haven't been able to find that balance on so many totally. other shows. Like, especially Beverly Hills, you know, sticks out to me, and that it always is one person and then a clump of everyone around Kyle, and that Which is doesn't never work. Fun in terms of making an interesting ensemble cast right Totally,
1: totally and it's like and and when when they fall into that dynamic the person who is the one the person who is alone inevitably leaves after that season and so we don't even get the sort of full circle moment that that perhaps we could get which is like them sort of being reacclimated to the group things being like tied it over like I hate that dynamic. I think it's so it's so lame and so lazy to just like pinpoint one person to be against. Um, so I, it's like I much prefer this Jersey dynamic, which is like, yeah, we have two different sides, but at least there's you know there there's some there's substantial amount of people on either side of the situation, and there's also more gray area than we give them credit for sometimes.
0: Definitely. Well, I wanted to get your thoughts on one last thing um, Mm -hmm. around Jersey, which is Dolores and David. So I Mm. felt like the majority of people, I think you included, that were watching the scene in the kitchen between Dolores and David really felt that David doesn't treat Dolores, right? Doesn't appreciate her. I had kind of a different...
1: Well, I'm curious (laughs) what your thoughts are. No, I mean, this is exactly the... I like to me. like, I read that so clearly as like, David like to like, get respect Dolores but like I'm curious what what your read on it was.
0: And this is me making a lot of assumptions, okay? okay. So just, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that since he's a doctor for high-risk pregnant women in the middle of a pandemic that he decided not to go to large events. I know he hadn't gone to events beforehand, but this right. event was not very covid friendly. So I can imagine him being like <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to show up and be on camera and have my patients see that I'm doing totally. this. At the same time, as someone who engages with high-risk pregnancies and probably does a lot of emergency C-sections and sees a lot of dangerous things that can come from pregnancy, he's probably like, no one should unnecessarily go under the knife, right? Because it's always a risk. And totally. I was kind of brought up that way, I remember when I was in high school, my mom had a breast reduction and it took her like three years to get to the point where she was willing to do wow. it. Even though, you know, insurance covered it because of how little she was and how big her boobs were. <laughs> but she was just like, "Oh, it's not necessary. And you totally. know, when the doctor said, well, you know, it's not life-saving, but it could really improve your life. And so I think as a society, a lot of us struggle with where's that line between like, okay, not every surgery is life-saving, but things could cause an improvement. And where does plastic surgery fall along that line? And I think because of his lived experience as a doctor, David probably has some pretty strong feelings around that and Mm -hmm. felt that Dolores is not really listening. And he's probably coming from a place of concern, although it did sound a bit judgmental how it came across.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, that's totally valid. I didn't think of the context of that. And I think that that is probably really accurate. I
0: have no uh, idea. And, I, I don't know. No, him. But, and, and,
1: and, no, but I think it's also sort of like, there was a moment in that, in that, in that sort of like back and forth that they were having in the kitchen where he was like, let's not go there. Like, like when, she, I think it was when she brought up like him not coming to the party yep. or something. and, and to me, like that was such a loaded response from his part. Like there was so much there that he like didn't want to, st- I don't know if he didn't want to discuss it on camera or if it was a broken record because they talk about it all the time about him not showing up to things and it makes him look bad. Uh, but that, that clearly like there was more depth to that uh, kind yeah. of like part of the conversation um, that they didn't want us to see, that he didn't want us to see. Like, like to me, like when he said that, I was like, oh, so like Dolores had David come over for filming in this kitchen. They said they were going to talk about one thing. And then she brought up something he did not want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And he, and she, she sort of like caught him like on, like kind of off guard, like in front of the cameras. And he did not appreciate that. (laughs) Um, but no, I totally agree about the, the kind of like the COVID context, the, the, the surgery context with her, um. The, the, the comment that really like kind of rubbed me the wrong way was when he was like, when's your next surgery? It was sort of a taunting way. Yeah. And to me, I was sort of like, cause I totally get what you're saying and then and, and sort of the perspective that you bring in terms of like what's necessary versus sort of like what's like where, and where does plastic surgery fall in that? Um, and to me, like, I, you know, there's so many different avenues that, that social media takes when it comes to these housewives and the, what the kind that I don't like is when we like, compare but the before and afters of, of people's plastic surgery and oh here's what they used to look like and whatever. Cause I, I come from my perspective on plastic surgery, at least like kind of when it comes to public figures and Real Housewives fall into that category is I think people can just do whatever they want. And I yeah. and I and I know and I know that you know they're sort of like a you know the the perspective on sort of the influence that has on the viewers and their followers and them wanting to also go like do these cosmetic elective surgeries um but to me it's sort of like if Dolores wants to get up her butt lifted and get some liposuction and if that makes her feel better about her body like even though there's obviously so much more context there in terms of like you know societal pressure and and being in in the public eye but if, if that's what Dolores wants like she she's a grown woman she can make her own decisions and if her boyfriend isn't okay with that he's he's entitled to that opinion but like calling her out for it on camera and like taunting her about it to me was just a little bit crossing the line.
0: Yeah. You no, know, she, she
1: didn't have to, she didn't, she didn't have to run that, that by him, you know?
0: I, I see that totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think um, he, I wish he would have like explained how he felt or why he felt the way he did. Great, Because yeah. I do think he has a valid reason for his feelings. And also I think this, this part was filmed in August mm-hmm. and I, August was not that far from April, which was what I would argue probably the most traumatic time for any doctor, any medical professional in the New York City, Jersey area in the history of their career. Mm -hmm. And I think most of society, um, myself included um, is not in tune with the trauma that medical professionals went through during the worst part of COVID. And then, you know, COVID isn't over and I think they feel almost gaslit like they go in to practice and it's a different world in the hospital and then they then he's in this like world of housewives where they're almost pretending like everything is okay and I feel like I'm probably projecting (laughs) Like how i feel on. we all David. do that these
1: days so <laughs>
0: but like i i feel like oh my god because i i feel this way about tiffany you know we're there totally. i just feel like they're not getting how serious and how difficult things are for people practicing medicine
1: yeah i think so too i think i mean i totally agree with that um and i think one i think in terms of the expectation from jersey in terms of the COVID protocols at all. <laughs> I don't, I think that like, <laughs> unfortunately the Jersey ladies to me, like are probably the least likely to like be openly sort of like precautious and, and what have you. Uh, I'm sure again, they're all, all getting tested and I don't think that they were ever shut down from COVID on product, which they is like weren't. kind of shocking to me. Yeah, uh, Maybe because a lot of it was outside in the warmer weather, but like, um, in terms of that, I think, I think that, what I would love to know about is sort of like what Dolores and David's relationship is when filming's not happening yes. because, because to me, there's clearly something there with the relationship like there's there's something that works with it because they've been together for a good amount of time now um and he and he but he clearly doesn't really like the whole real housewives of it all. like he doesn't like the filming. Mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be on camera. He doesn't like going to group events where he knows he'll be sort of like pressured to be drinking and sort of like be one of the guys with all the other husbands and but like, what are they, they must be great when filming is not happening in the other half of the year. And so I would just love more info on that because to me, that's probably why Dolores is sticking with him is because, yes. you know, they probably there probably is a lot less friction when filming's not happening. That's my guess.
0: It's just—it's fascinating. Yeah, I love it really Jersey. Is. I think it's going to be Me too. a great season. I'm Me too. so excited. Okay, oh. let's um, head out west to Salt Lake okay. City. Mm, why don't we? <laughs> I feel like this was the best second part of a reunion I think I have ever seen.
1: I mean, this—I'm re- like honestly speechless because I'm just sort of like. I mean, they're the only ones to ever have a three-part reunion in their first season, I'm guessing. Yep, like, I've like, said that. I've looked. There's, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> I, 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 I Fact check me on that because, you know, we want to get the facts straight here. But, like, that, it just speaks to, like, how much there is to discuss. I mean, and most of this second, not most, I'd say, like, half the second part of the reunion was just about Mary. It was just her answering Andy's incessant questions about everything. And, like,
0: that's just one person. You know, (laughs) it was wild. I mean, like, so there's there's something about Mary, right? Like, she's watchable. Say Mm -hmm. what you will about how you feel about her choices or Mm -hmm. things that she said, but she is amazing TV, mesmerizing on camera. Mesmerizing.
1: Whether she's eyes are bulging or eyes are closing (laughs) as she's sleeping, (laughs) like I'll take her either way. Um, No, Mary Mary M Cosby is a gift to the reality TV. Universe, and I feel raw. Like I hate how she was just like, I hate how she, you know, went had to go about filming, which was like, you know, filming as a friend of, and then coming back and filming all these like solo scenes in her closet that they put in probably retroactively. <laughs> um I hate that because I don't think that she got a fair shot, like at really making her mark on this first season. But I think that she's kind of re- she's kind of redeeming that in the reunion. By I think she's one of the winners of this reunion already in terms of just sort of like. She's reading them up and down. She has pretty good answers for some of the more pressing questions that are being thrown at her. Like not perfect by any means, and like sometimes I feel like I'm like solving a riddle by tr- by understanding her answers. Yes. But and it's yes. and so, it's kind of in like a Karen Huger way where they talk in circles and you're really sure whether what, what avenue they're going around, and I'm not sure the circle ever really fully closes. But I there she's a there's something about the way she speaks and the words she chooses and. I'm just sort of like you're you're an enigma, and I you know I want you to stick around. I I love her.
0: It's so funny. It's like she should have had the tagline from Erica Jane, which is like I'm an enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash. Because that That is Mary Cosby. (laughs) Instead, instead of cash, say and Chanel. (laughs) And Chanel. (laughs) (laughs) When she was talking about her
1: her husband like buying her all the designer stuff, and that's why. she was was saying that's essentially why she like, they have a good relationship. And I was just like,
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Well,
0: so I was listening to this must have been a few months ago, but on bitch sesh, Mm -hmm. they talked about, they kind of like went a little bit in depth and how they feel like maybe she was groomed to be married Mm. to Robert senior. She was very young when this all happened. And, and that, She has some trauma, and, like, she's treating her designer clothing as her armor. Interesting. And I don't know if any of this is true, and I'm not a psychologist. But
1: there's definitely a a subtext to this whole conversation, and that could be it. Absolutely. There's
0: some subtext. So why does Chanel – why do these clothes – and she hoards them, right? She doesn't have – Totally a- enough space in her own house that she has to rent a separate apartment for all of her designer clothing. So, so clearly there's an issue there, like a compulsion. Mm-hmm. It's just why, right? Why? Like, why does she feel she needs so much of this?
1: I, I like wish I had an answer for you. I- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like on season two, <laughs> literally, literally, that, I'm, like, I'm excited for season two because I do think that we'll learn a lot more about her. Like, but again it's like i don't even i don't even have words to like express how do i like what i think about what's going on with Mary Cosby because i i don't know like i don't think we have enough answers
0: the one answer we did get is why she got her odor glands removed and she had a very good answer for that she did so she, she did. it was about the i actually Leo. looked yeah. it up it's um and i looked it up on the mayo clinic's website and wow, it is okay it is a it's real a thing. thing and it can come in different forms and they don't always know what causes it and there can be flare ups and it sounded like she had pretty extreme flare ups and so sometimes people are on antibiotics like for a very long period of time mm. just to try and prevent severe infection from these boils and whatever but yeah i guess some people do get the the glands removed to prevent these crazy recurrences and it's like-
1: and it's like we we had that we got that little tidbit of information like the first episode, and then Mary like disappeared <laughs> after episode three, so like we didn't get the full explanation for it. And that, to me, like that's she wasn't given a fair shot to like explain some of these things, you know, in real time. Which I think, at least I've noticed on Twitter, is like a, the, the 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 majority of sort of viewers' opinion on her is like pretty negative. I think actually, um, at least before the reunion, like people were sort of like, why is she around? Like, why is she on this show? Blah, 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 which I don't agree with. But that, this sort of, ha- she didn't have a choice in the matter. Like, she didn't want to be filming in her closet every, every right. week. Like, that's not why she, she didn't choose that, you know? Um, I will say the one thing with Mary that, like, I don't love is, or that I really don't love is how she treats some of the people around her. Like, whether it's the people, like, the little Char-Linda. tidbit, little. Char- Charlinda doesn't work for her anymore.
0: <gasps> what?
1: She, she, I think she said that on Watch What Happens Live or something. Like, she was like, yeah, Charlinda left because Charlinda probably saw how she was being treated on the show.
0: Oh my God.
1: And I mean, unless she's back with her, like she definitely said that at, at one, one of her things and the way she treats the, when she walks into the church and she like, you know, body shames one person and like, um, you know, ugh, there's, there's so much there. And I don't even know what like, to me, it doesn't vibe with like the rest of her personality sometimes with her being, because to me, like, she at least she presents this sort of like really really well-meaning kind of soft, sometimes like soft-natured person and then all of a sudden she's like talking shit about people to their faces and i don't I, I can't make sense of it but i'm intrigued
0: i also can't make sense of when she said she's not attracted to black men but her yeah. husband is a black man but i think she views her marriage is not one based in attraction.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's, a good, that's, I think that's a good explanation for it because I, that was an uncomfortable conversation to watch because I, because yeah. I don't, cause she, one, she was not explaining herself well at all. And so like she, she, she was talking around, she was talking around the race of it all, I think. And again, it, she did not explain herself well. And I think that that is probably um, what, what you're talking about is like, she's not, I don't think they sleep together. I mean, they don't, they don't sleep in the same bed. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not a sexual, it's not a relationship of sexual nature. It's a relationship that was set up. And.
0: So maybe that's why she has all that Chanel. She's very sexually deprived. And so Mm. she's trying to fulfill her needs in other ways. (laughs) No, you know? I'm going to just keep going back to, like... I feel like, like,
1: I feel like, just gonna, like to, we need to, like, just take a notepad and write down every theory that we have about Miriam Cosby <laughs> and why the way, why she is the way she None is. None of
0: them are probably right. Like, she... Well, you know,
1: <laughs> again, Enigma wrapped in Chanel.
0: Um, so let's get into the Heather versus Lisa, because that was mm. the other half of this reunion. Yeah. I did not anticipate this
1: at all. I'm just shocked how much anger there is on both sides about each other like I mm-hmm. I didn't I there was no I mean there wasn't really a hint of that even in in season I feel like it's all fueled by like social media attention and and Heather being the fan favorite and Heather being Deanne by Rihanna and Heather being like sort of the one that everyone sees as relatable and Lisa like I think probably thought that she was going to come in and win over everyone and be that person and she clearly wasn't you know Lisa comes in with this sort of like I'm from New York mentality like like I used to work with Bethany I blah 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 blah, and like it didn't go it didn't go that way for her and I think she has a lot of resentment towards Heather because of that
0: I think her and Jen Shaw thought they would be the fan favorites and it, it appears. I mean, I didn't see it ever, right? Because it wasn't. I didn't see it in footage, but it, it feels like at some point Lisa maybe said something that like Heather and Whitney aren't good enough for the show, or like right. maybe next season we'll have they'll be gone. We can have other better people. That's sort of the subtext that I was I getting agree. from it, but I haven't seen it, so it's like hard to understand where the anger is coming from from Heather and Whitney. You know, and maybe it was to- cut totally. You know, because I, I, would, or assume, or it's all hap- yeah.
1: or it's all happening, or it's all happening in real time via yeah. Twitter and via text messages, and and where does not that's just not being filmed. Um, which I, because of that reason, I hope they start filming the second season like really, like like right yeah. away because like they, they need to p- they need to pick up on this dynamic. Um, but I think you're so right, and I think like and I think Jen Shaw for the first two episodes. Like it was sort of like, oh my god, who is this woman? Like she is like made for TV. She is giving it. She is starting the drama. Blah, blah, blah. But then after an ep- after like two or three episodes, I was so over it with her. And it was it was so put on. And I think you're right. I think that her and Lisa sort of saw themselves as sort of like these breakout, like, oh, we're such good housewives. Like we're we're kind of like, we're going there and we're but like Lisa wasn't really even a drama starter. I think Lisa, I love watching Lisa. She like cracks me up because me I mean, think she's so She's so unintentionally funny. Like Mm -hmm. she has no, she has has such little self-awareness that like it works. And that's like, it's it's sort of like a Ramona way where it's like, you just, you can't help but like laugh at everything they say. Um, But Lisa wanted to be the Bethany. Lisa wanted to be the Lisa Vanderpump. Lisa wanted to be the person that was sort of the queen bee. And like, that's just not the reality of this group's dynamic (laughs) for her.
0: Do you think that there really is some tension in her friendship with Meredith after interviewing Meredith?
1: A hundred percent. I think I asked Meredith about where she stood with Lisa because I, I interviewed Meredith before the first part of the reunion. And so what we had seen was, you know, a most of, a mostly a full season of them being smooth sailing as best friends. And then... You know, Lisa finds out that Meredith and, her, and Seth were seeing other people, and she felt betrayed that she didn't know that. And then she goes and hangs out with Jen after the Vegas trip, when Meredith and Jen are like at complete odds. And I think that Meredith, I think that that really um, hurt Meredith's trust in Lisa as a friend, because I think I think Meredith holds things very close to her chest, so she's going to tell somebody some information like about her marriage for instance she expects them not to say anything about it i think that she she really values that more than anything and i think that she's apprehensive about telling lisa things because she's gonna just gonna run and tell jen mm-hmm. and i think meredith like i think meredith despises jen and i think that Mer- but i do think that meredith doesn't want to admit publicly that she is having a, like a lot like kind of an internal crisis about lisa and I think that's why she wasn't paying attention to what she was saying on the reunion. You know, Lisa comes over and sits next to Meredith in between takes. And Meredith's like, wait, what? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <That> was <laughs> and, like, I, I, I like a that, that part. That was so do. good. I do think that Meredith, like, I love the whole disengaging thing. I love, like, I think it's iconic. I love that phrase. I think it's really fun. But I do think that like she needs to be careful about disengaging too much. I think she needs to engage a little bit more. Um, but I think that with her and Lisa, there's a real, there's a real tension there. And I think Lisa needs to be careful going into this next season by one, associating herself too heavily with Jen Shaw and picking that side too much. Because I think that's kind of like the wrong side of history. And I, and two, I think that Meredith is really, is like this close to drifting onto like the Whitney and Heather side of things in a more permanent way, you know? And I think, I think that so too. Yeah. I think they, I think that Lisa and Meredith see themselves at these as these two kind of more cosmopolitan women who come from bigger cities and they have, they have that in common. They think they see themselves as like a little bit more legit than the rest of them, you know, cause they come from other places that are considered like, you know, bigger, more influential cities. They have like the, they bring like the fashion, I guess. But I think, I think that holds a lot, a lot more truth in that with Meredith than Lisa. I think with Lisa, it's sort of more of like an inflated sense of that. Um, I think Meredith is kind of maybe seeing that, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm just fascinated. I want to know more about Lisa, too. Like, I really want to know about her origin story in New York. She was born Jewish, or at least to a Jewish family. As a Jewish person, (laughs) it is very rare to, like, become Mormon. (laughs) From there you know totally
1: so how did that and she and she, and she defends it a lot I she defends know. it a lot and and it's it's interesting because i like almost forget that she's mormon sometimes i'm sort of mm-hmm. like and and then she like defends it and you're like oh yeah and like she's like really deep in it and i totally agree it's sort of like we don't know i'm guessing it was because of her husband but i don't know the story i think story she there.
0: really seems to um it I, I don't know. She doesn't strike me as someone that just decided to become Mormon for marriage. She seems to right. really like believe it in her soul in yeah. a way that none of the other women seem to talk about their religion. I mean, of course, we haven't asked them a whole lot other than Heather about right. how they feel. So uh, I just think it'd be interesting. I also want to know more about Jen Shah and Coach Shah's, um, you know, devoutness to being Muslim. Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like in Utah? You know how do they practice? What you know? I don't know. Are they halal? Yeah. Are they not? Do they? Mm-hmm. You know what practices do they do or not do? Mm-hmm. Does that cause tension with Jen's family at all? I, I don't know.
1: I I think I think you know religion is sort of like this seventh. That's, that's the right number, seventh cast number of yes. the show, and. In, in other ways where like other 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 franchises like the city is that is that seventh cast member or something else and here it's, it, it is religion and i think that it would serve them well to lean into that a little bit more um just because about just because of like the conversations that, that would that, that could spark and yeah. and potentially like the conflicts that could arise from that it's like i would love to know meredith's opinion about lisa being so intense about her mormonism you know i would i would love to know what meredith really thinks about that um you know, I I agree. There's there's so much more mind there that we haven't gotten that we haven't gotten told.
0: Like that one scene where they were with their husbands and they were all asking questions to each other was like one of my favorite scenes of the entire season. I was like, yeah, ask it, ask it, because I yes, want to know. Yes. Totally,
1: you know? and I think that for me, like, what that comes down to with with Salt Lake is like, and we're seeing this on the reunion. Like, that the reunion is proof of the fact that like it is advantageous for these producers and for all and the women to be all together way more often like that, that my my biggest complaint other than how mary was edited in and wasn't given the fair chance of filming they did not film in groups way like at, at all like like they, they're i think i would say like they probably average less than one group hang per episode like this season and like that's not enough like when they are all together like it is great TV. Like, and, and and I love the individual stories. I had like, let's get more of that. Let's, let's get that as well. But they spent a little bit too much time filming individually. And so because of that, there isn't the questioning that comes in. There isn't like, you know, we, all we see is like Lisa in her house with her sons and her husband, like having business meetings and driving to Wendy's. And like, that's fun. <laughs> but like, I don't want that to be like the whole of Lisa's episode. Yes. Like I want, you know, I want, Lisa Meredith and Mary to go out to dinner and like see what happens. you know and like that that never there's so much there's so many more like different scenarios and like dynamics that we haven't seen that that makes me really excited for the future of of this franchise.
0: I'm interested to see a potential friendship between Whitney and Meredith two very totally. unlikely and maybe with their husbands. Right. But I could see like, it
1: working. Yeah. I see
0: it working.
1: I could see that totally working. And they would have fun together. Like you, you can tell that Meredith and Seth, you know, they had their issues this this year, but they they're like a good time couple. And like yes, they like they pro- sure. like they have fun. They have fun going out. They have fun going to like a great dinner. I guess we saw like a double date with her, with them and the Barlows. But with, with Whitney and her husband, it could be a way different. <laughs> just like level of fun and like debauchery which I would love to see
0: me too
1: yeah I I love Whitney I think Whitney like
0: is slightly underrated
1: I think she's slightly underrated just because like she isn't as much of like a a huge personality like at at, at first but I think she's great like and I, I think that she, you know, I think she needs to work on her in-scene work and her in-scene delivery because her confessionals are really great. But I think that she needs to work on like, I mean, and Jen's birthday party is like, the, I mean, Jen's husband's birthday party is the perfect example of that. But once she sort of like gets more steadfast, like on the fly, she is, she'll be a force to be reckoned with for sure.
0: It's just funny because a lot of these women drink while they film mm-hmm. and Whitney seems to be the kind of drunk that can't get words together. Absolutely. You know which is not as common for a lot of other people that drink, you know, it's more of like if you're stoned you can't talk, but right. she she just can't seem to string words together. And so if she's going to film, she may want to lay back on drinking because we yes. want to hear what she has to say yes. and we want to like, come out quick.
1: But And we still need to have we still need to have some of that liquid courage, but yes. like maybe it's <laughs> not enough as much of the liquid.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting this this cast seems to have other than Gen a uh-huh. more like what I would consider healthy or like normal relationship with alcohol than I've yeah. seen. I feel like on New York, You're we've right. gone off the deep end over and over and over. On Beverly Hills, I feel like they talk about drinking, but they're afraid to gain weight <laughs> and also right. and also just appear like out of control ever Mm -hmm. and you know I think it's just more fun to watch the women be able to have like a moderate amount of alcohol and enjoy themselves
1: totally and I think that that's we'll get to Dallas later but Dallas I'm realizing they drink a lot like especially this season in COVID they're like relying on alcohol a lot this season so I agree I think like it obviously create it obviously creates for some great moments and it really fuels a lot of a lot a lot of the show's drama like across the board but for it to be less of like an overt Again, character. Like, it's like l- last season on New York, alcohol was the sixth housewife. And, yes. like, I did, and, and it wasn't fun. And it was too much. So, I think you're right. Like, it's it's a nice balance on this. Um, and Whitney is, <laughs> yeah, Whitney Whitney <laughs> can't, can't really speak when she's drunk. And Jen, I mean, we all know what happens when Jen drinks too much and it's really not fun. I really like hate those scenes, honestly. Like, it's, it's like, I think it's, it's just like so much and it's so. It's like a bulldozer going through everything. And, I, and it's not, I don't think that's, again, we talked about dynamics on these different shows. That's not a dynamic that I enjoy at all.
0: Yeah. Well, should yeah. we go to Dallas then?
1: Sure. Let's okay. do Dallas. Okay.
0: So they are in Austin. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was a lake in Austin.
1: <laughs> me me neither. I mean, that house is, I, I love that house. It's oh, so fun. I went fun. to the website. That lawn. Oh my God, did you? It
0: is. You can stay there. I want to. I want to go
1: there. It's, it looks amazing. That back lawn is just gorgeous. And there's, uh oh, I love it.
0: And the I indoor want to be there too. pool, like, usually I think like, an indoor pool is kind of tacky. I don't know why it just... No,
1: yeah, same. But the, the, they do it kind of tastefully, all things considered, in this house.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This house looks amazing. So the big thing that happens is, you know, they get there and um, Carrie apologizes to Tiffany and kind of has mm-hmm. this, like, nice, you know, Cheers to everyone, and Deandra's not having it because Mm -hmm. Carrie had not yet apologized to her about being mean, basically. Right. And so then Carrie or then Deandra complains to Tiffany, Carrie and Cameron over here, they all have dinner and chaos ensues (laughs) Chaos ensues. it sure does
1: well first of all they didn't just overhear they purposely stood outside the doorway to listen to this conversation and you know what i was proud of tiffany in that moment because she i was like so scared that she was about to implicate herself and like just walk it back with carrie you know like by saying like like one bad thing but she really she didn't talk any shit about her in that moment and i was proud of tiffany because like it's like cameron looks at, at carrie she's like Tiffany's defending you. and like i I love that little moment because I thought it it uh, it boded well, I think, for tiffany in the, in the in the in the group of it all,
0: I think so too. I think Tiffany really wanted to go into this weekend. To have fun and to like let go of the rigid life that she like created for herself and just let loose a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is really hard for her. And I think she'd been working on doing it and failing up until that point. She'd been trying too hard almost before.
1: Yeah. It's like the, the, I loved Tiffany and like I think that she just came out the gate as like an amazing housewife. But the pizza party really was tough in terms of like just my, like my feelings about her just because it was like it was a lot and it was like not fun it just like didn't do her any favors and I'm yeah. glad that it, I'm glad that she really kind of reset pretty quickly to going into this trip and I think it's working pretty well for her except for when she cried about Deandra and Carrie fighting that also didn't help her but um, man Carrie and Deandra is that's fireworks it that's is. uh they don't like each other <laughs>
0: They don't like each other. Understatement, and I, it kind of is annoying how Stephanie keeps being like, "Well, I think Carrie is doing this because of how much she cares about her friendship with Theandra," and it's like if you have to come up with a reason why one person treats another person poorly, and the reason is it's because they love you so much, yeah, like that's effed up.
1: <laughs> I I totally agree, and I think um I was talking to my brother about this, and we were saying how like because. To me, like DeAndra, the past couple of seasons, I didn't ever fall in love with her and I did I didn't find her that likable. I think like Mama D was sort of like her 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 way in almost. Um but this season, like Carrie is being so horrible that it's making DeAndra so much more likable. It's like the the effect of that is like just totally coming back to bite Carrie in the ass because to me, like DeAndra actually is coming out of this looking a lot better and um Actually, am enjoying it, Deandra, way more than I ever expected to this
0: season. I think the that. the interesting part about Deandra is she has lived a life. For you sure. You know, like Brandy and Stephanie, Stephanie more so has lived a life. Like she had this life before she met Travis as and a social worker, social worker, right, and exactly. that kind of thing. But you know, it wasn't she wasn't that old when she met Travis. You know, so mm-hmm. she didn't have that much time. But Deandra really lived. You know, mm-hmm. and she had a cocaine addiction and went to rehab. She was, you know, on all these buses for rock stars. She, she lived in DC and had in a high the power Bush job. administration. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, if I could interview almost any housewife, I think I would choose Deandra just because, as someone that works in DC, kind of in the politics area, I want to know how the hell she got here and how yeah. she got out.
1: <laughs> totally. Like, yeah, like, like what really actually brought her back to Dallas? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um,
0: it's just, it's fascinating, right? It and really I also is fascinating. love seeing um, love that maybe blossoms at an older age. So people who didn't fall in love at 23. I think it can be sometimes more deep and you like her relationship with Jeremy seems to be really strong and interesting. If she had, was engaged 13 times, what made the 13th time like right. the oh right, God. you know, I, yeah, I, questions. <laughs> I, I, I
1: actually, I, yeah, Jeremy is actually, I love Jeremy and I think that they, they have a really great relationship and he like kind of, he like gives her enough space to really be her full self, which I really appreciate. Um, and I think that he's willing to like take that back seat in a way that like, in some of these marriages that we see on these shows, like the man isn't willing to do that. And so, and, but he's like, so not threatened by Deandra and like her, just like she, she's like, she like lives her life very much out loud. And I, and I, and I, and I, that's a really, that's a positive thing. And um, th- I think there, there's, there's, they're definitely like in their own world sometimes, which I think can also sort of like their, their, their self-awareness sometimes is, is uh, hurt by that, like yeah. the way that they live their life. but.
0: None of no, these people I, are I, self-aware.
1: No, no, none of them are self-aware. <laughs> I mean, we, we have the the occasional the occasional kind of like star that is, but you know, I, I again, I, I'm just like I'm I'm shocked by how much I'm liking Danger this year, and I think Jeremy is helping that. I like their scenes together. He's like, like when she when when he when she FaceTimed him like threatening to leave the house, and he's like, no, like stay, like I'll be mad at you if you if you come home, like you know, like he just like gave it to her straight and like was like, listen, you're staying.
0: But then also, you know, defended her by being like, well, if they listen to you, then they deserve to hear what they did.
1: Totally. That's true, too. You know?
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I just couldn't get over how, when, yes, maybe it was a bit much that Tiffany was crying again, the, I'm always thinking of like, She's a doctor working during a pandemic.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have that subtext in mind like every time I see her on screen now because of you. And and I think that's helpful.
0: (laughs) It's just, you know, I work with a lot of medical professionals for my job. And I think Mm -hmm. there is so much that is happening with them right now. And they don't really have a lot of outlets. And especially, again, this was filmed like more over the like late summer. Mm -hmm. You know, people were just sort of I don't know, trying to come to terms with things. So I also think, you know, you also watch The Bachelor – most of the times when people cry on The Bachelor, it's usually after having not slept for almost more than 20 hours. They sure. they deprive them of sleep on purpose, they hold these rose ceremonies really late at night, early in the morning, and then they find people when they're most likely to cry. And I feel like when Tiffany was crying, she said it was because it reminded of her, of her parents, whatever. I don't really think so. I think she was tired, and mm-hmm. I think she was like, I came here to have fun, and I finally got in a good... Headspace, and now this is happening again. Like, no,
1: yeah, yeah, she was deaf, yeah, for sure, exhausted. But I think that she should, she should have. And again, this is like hindsight, twenty twenty. Also, I I was not in that situation and doing what she's doing during COVID. But like, if she had just taken like a step back and been like, "Uh, hold, like, like holding it because like, hold it in, yeah, hold. Just in that moment, like, I don't think that she was really making it about herself, and in the way that they kind of made it seem, but. Like she was doing so well with the group. And like and like and then it, and then it, like you just you can just see this the the look on Carrie Cameron and Stephanie's faces when she starts crying and they're just like they're like they're like rolling their eyes at her and like just like for her sake, I'm just like, Oh Tiffany, like like I wish I wish that, that hadn't happened just because like she was doing so well. But
0: <laughs> at the same time, if you know, I said, Will you just go talk to her, please? And was met with like, you know, Like, you can cry all fucking day. I will not take a step with her over my dead fucking body. I would cry too.
1: Yeah. I mean, Carrie (laughs) Carrie is like... She's not having a good season at all. And, like, I... There's a lot to mine there, actually. And, like, I don't even... I don't know, like, what the situation is. But... And maybe you have the info on this. But, like, I feel Mm. like going... Like, maybe when they were filming or before this season, there was, like, kind of rumors that one of them was, one of the cast members was, like, having marriage troubles. Yes. And I I don't know if we ever pinpointed who it was, but, like, with her, her husband has not been on this season at all. Her daughters are kind of stepping up into that role that, like, maybe Aja Judais plays, where it's, like, they sort of, like, not replacing the husband, but they're sort of serving as that, like, at-home figure that, like, Carrie can have those conversations with in her house. And I don't, and I just wonder if there's something more going on and she's letting on because we've seen all the other husbands. I literally don't, I literally don't think that we've seen her, her husband, maybe one scene at the very beginning, but like, to me, like, that's kind of a telling aspect of it. And like, is she overcompensating to like, not have the spotlight on that aspect of her life? I don't know. But like, I'm just sort of trying to make sense of why she's like going so in on Deandra. Like, it's like, it's a lot.
0: I think you've totally hit the nail on the head. Oh. Whether she's doing it on purpose or it's just she's acting out, and the anger right. that she has with her marriage is being mm-hmm. projected onto Deandra, you know. But something yeah. is up with her. Something's
1: going on. Yeah, and I will say I love her. Do- I love Olivia, her daughter. I think she's like such a great presence, and I think she's very redeeming on Carrie's behalf. Honestly, um, and like she's that's so totally. Like, I couldn't even have told you her name like two months ago, but um, I think that's definitely a positive of Carrie being on the show. But other like i'm trying to find like some redeeming qualities in carrie as a housewife and it's really being it's really hard for me right now
0: and it's she the the weird part is that brandy and stephanie and cam seem to really like her and they seem to like try to be making carrie happen and like for the audience like carrie no carrie is fetch And it, and, and it's if, not and if, happening
1: <laughs> it's carrie's match and, it, and in some ways i hate to say it, it's sort of bringing them down and i don't mm-hmm. i don't like that because i love stephanie i love cameron i think that they're amazing on tv as people like but it's like the association and the, sort of the, the rider ness they're having with carrie doesn't doesn't connect for me and it's sort of like if this is the hill you're going to die on, I'm not sure <laughs>
0: if Right. it's going to work for
1: me, right? It
0: reminds me a little bit, Tiffany reminds me a bit of Jackie, in that, like, mm. she is smart, had a career, has a happy family with a supportive husband, and, but the the viewers are really connecting with Tiffany, right? Yep. And I don't know if in the beginning the viewers really connected with Jackie, but I'm hoping no. this season they do, maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean Jackie's one of my
1: favorites. I love Jackie, but and it seems like
0: some of the women, I think, don't like Jackie because she's smarter than them. She is. She argues better. She is smarter. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just she is. And then I think that some of the women on Dallas don't like Tiffany because she is smarter than them, right? They Mm -hmm. don't like when she corrects them. You know, I don't think she's doing it out of a place where she thinks she's better. I think she's used to correcting people because she's right. a professor.
1: Mm-hmm. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? I think that that's so right. It's like they they don't they don't like when somebody comes in and is like on paper a lot more legit than they are, mm-hmm. and um, it makes them realize that like maybe they don't have other things going on enough in their life. Um, and I I think that 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 line between Jackie and, and Tiffany is spot on. It's sort of like yeah. it just made it, that
0: connection. I don't no, I didn't but I think, see it I know, but until I think, today. I think,
1: I think it's really it works. It really does, and I, it's a similar dynamic to, that, to people feeling threatened by them just for the sake of their like of their accomplishments and their their sort of rap sheet coming in. Um, and I think, I, and it's not a good look on the people that that kind of dismiss that because it makes them look jealous and sort of. Um, just sort of like they're holding a grudge about something that like has nothing really to do with them.
0: It's just interesting. I'm so fascinated by how viewers like react to certain housewives and how the housewives think it's going to go when the season starts. And I feel like with Dallas, they're like, Oh, they're not going to like Tiffany. right? Right. And they bet on it. And like on the OC, they're like, "Well, everyone's going to see that Bronwyn sucks, right?" And then throughout the season, a lot of viewers didn't like Bronwyn, but they didn't like the other women any better,
1: right? Exactly. So that didn't help, you know. The same thing happened with Jen Shaw on Salt Lake. I think, yeah. I, I think that that Jen thought that she was going to be that person, you know. And it's if you think it's if, if you think it's going to be yourself, that you're like off to you're a rough. bad start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nah, uh Uh, and I'm curious you know for other franchises like are they going to think that on New York about the new editions are they going to you know it's like it's not it's never a good mentality to have about the new edition and it's the same thing with Monique and Giselle I mean obviously I think the, the the public you know conversation around Monique changed a lot especially by the end and like there's that's a whole other conversation but I think it's a very similar dynamic to Teresa and Jackie to Tiffany and Carrie and the rest of the women it's like this this kind of this woman who comes in on paper she she's rich she has f- five home four homes she has a, a beautiful family she has a loving husband and then the 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 vet is threatened by that and mm-hmm. the the rest are, are threatened by that you know and this. it's
0: Interesting thing, though, with New York is that the way I don't think they're as threatened is that I don't think they follow social media in the way that the other casts follow social media. I think you're right. Like, I don't think Sonia, Ramona, or Luann pay attention to whether or not people like them. No, and they that's have people what, running
1: their social media for them.
0: And that's what makes them amazing, right? I don't yes. want the, the housewives to react like, oh, I think the audience will like me better if I do this. I just want them to be themselves.
1: I totally agree with that and i think that there that's i think that's maybe why dallas really hasn't fully broken out in the way that potomac has which started at the same time as dallas did which is like there's there's a there's like a there's a there's sort of like a wall up like i don't i I still don't feel like i fully have the full story about like any of them necessarily and it's because they're sort of i think a lot of them are putting on a front whether Mm -hmm. it's like a big front or just sort of like you know have some having some guards up still there's too much of that not self-awareness but just awareness of like being likable and 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 being accepted by this by this by this fan fan base honestly but i think on new york they don't have to worry about that because they know that they're like top the 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 the, the cream of the crop and they know that like they are they've been around for years and like they don't have to work like they just they're just living their lives you know and i think you, you can't make that shit up with them. And I think on Dallas, they're trying to make it up too much, you know? Yeah.
0: And same on Beverly Hills. Like, I think they also yes, absolutely. are very aware, hyper aware of how fans feel about them. Yet they still make all the same mistakes where they will, like, target one person on the cast every year and and not like it's like stop doing i think
1: that that i and i think that that and i love lisa Rena, but i think that's an effect of her coming on the show actually Mm -hmm. i think she's incredibly in tune with social media like she's always posting and she's she comments a lot on other things so to me it's clear that she is like not just posting but she's like engaging with content kind of across the board and i think that lisa has had and i think that she kind of brought i think she brought some of that in as an actress as somebody who is 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 kind of has that experience of dealing with pub- public perception and being very aware of her public image, um, and she can she's the one that drives the, the the attacks on one person almost every year, you know. And I think that I think she I think that's an effect of her, honestly, on on Beverly Hills, and it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I think it works better when her and Kyle are not aligned. I think they needed Lisa Vanderpump in there for them too. Yeah. To okay, should we go anyway. down south to Atlanta to finish it up? Yeah, baby. Ugh. Oh. Oh, this my God. This trip is
1: just giving me the most life. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad this because trip.
0: it was a slower start it was a to snooze. the season. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. But this trip, and it's beautiful. I really want to go to the Isle of Palms in South Carolina now. It looks amazing. This wow. house is great.
1: It's I know, right? Oh, uh, Ah.
0: Oh, my God. So this episode is really about all the ladies being annoyed and upset with Kenya's behavior. And, you know, number one, she decided to bring her daughter Brooklyn on the trip, but didn't give the other women the option to bring their children, their their infant children. She, um, you know, took a private jet and then Again, didn't give people an option, or she was weird and sketchy about it. She went upstairs at the end of the night, didn't come back down. She <laughs> ordered a crab cake for herself and didn't offer other people food.
1: <laughs> that is the biggest, that is the biggest says, misstep of hers.
0: <laughs> that was the worst mistake. I mean, how do you feel about Kenya overall as a housewife?
1: I think we talked about somebody else losing the plot earlier in this episode, and I think that Kenya – She obviously has a lot going on, but she just, I think she's lost the plot. I think that she, she used to have this, like, she used to toe the line really well between being like extremely unlikable, but also like the necessary kind of campy villain that we all wanted. And she played the villain really well for a long time. And I think that she doesn't play it well anymore. It's like now she's just unlikable and it's unfortunate because she did, she has made for so many iconic moments on this show, but she is just like not, I don't really like anything that she's bringing to the show right now. I, I like that she, I, I like that she's there to instigate. Like, I think that, that like clearly this season needed some instigation and like it, it needed something to kind of fuel it. But like so many of those things individually are enough to like start drama, but all of them together is just, and she didn't even really fully own up to some of it either. You know, it's like, to me, like, okay, the ordering the food thing, which Candy joked is like the most serious of her offenses, that is crazy that you would just, like, order food in a house with 13 people, not not ask if anybody else wants anything, and then your excuse is that anybody else could have ordered Uber Eats if they wanted to. And it's, like, that's, <laughs> you're hosting the fucking trip. Like, that's I don't so understand. Like, it's, it's It's, 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 and her, I think part of it is that she's such a, she's so bad at apologizing, too, that, like, which does not do her any favors. Like, she can't own up to any of it, and um, I'm not. I'm just not on Kenya's side of any of this. I think it's just, like, not a good look.
0: She's just so selfish.
1: So selfish.
0: Portia said Kenya is synonymous with selfish. And then, you know, she points out that she brought PJ to Greece last season and Mm -hmm. didn't bail on her friends. And that was a really good point because, you know, she was at a point where she didn't want her infant not to be with her, you know, and but she found a way to make it work. And Brooklyn, I mean, Kenya seems to have, like... I don't know, she just has an excuse for everything, but she never explains it well. And I was just annoyed when she said, like, so be my village. Be my mother effing village. Like, what do you mean be your village? You haven't been friends with these people. You want people who right. are not your friends to step up and do the job of your husband, your nanny, your your mom, like all the people that aren't really there for you in your life. You have she to create them badly. A village. anyway. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's like it's also like okay, I totally understand the fact that she wanted to spend the night with her daughter and and have that moment upstairs with her, but like she didn't announce that to the group. Yeah, she didn't say anything. Like it's like she has to communicate these things, also, like, and she
0: get a baby monitor.
1: I know, <laughs> I know, I know, like, and it's also what? like at the end of it, it's also just like at the end of the day, like this is her job. If you really yeah. think about no, it, like her job definitely. is to be on the show and engage with the show, and it's like. She's just taking the easy way out almost. And again, like Portia is, is evidence of the fact that like you can do both well, um, you know, and she just, she's using, she's using it as an excuse in a way that, you know, on this, on the, on the surface is, is, you know, valid. But if you really look at how she's handling it, it's not you know, <laughs> it's just, Ugh, I don't and I don't like the choose using as an excuse because like a lot of them have young k- kids right now a lot of them almost do, all that, of that them that would like do. to that that are handling it much better almost yeah. all of them exactly it's actually crazy when they were going around being like well, my baby my baby. and it's like they're all they're all taking time away to fulfill their obligations of engaging with this group and filming and and it's just you know I don't you and then candy just walks upstairs silently and it's just sort of like okay, bye
0: it's Yeah, it's just the idea that she would bring her child and not give other people the opportunity to bring them. And it's like, she's like, well, I've never stayed away from my child a night in my life. It's like, well, so like, what does that have to do with anything? You think it's Mm -hmm. easy for other women to spend a night away from their child just Mm because they've done it a few times before I I don't know. And I also feel like there's a lot of judgment from her on how Portia is and how Portia would like go to Kentucky and get arrested for Brianna Taylor. I bet she's thinking, Oh, where's baby PJ? Well, I'm sure baby PJ is with another loving member of the family. While Portia works like this is, you know, her not really a job because she's not getting paid, but like she's doing work in social justice. She's drawing attention I just was very frustrated with the whole. Abrasion it's also justice it's also stuff. just like
1: you know I that I mean that was that was really like really despicable I think and it's just it's also just so telling because it's like you know Portia has the other people in her life and Kenya clearly just just doesn't have those people in her life that that can step in for her like I don't I I don't believe that they really exist and so it's like but that's that but that's probably a product of Kenya and how she doesn't she dispels everyone from her life and it's mm-hmm. so So, like she can't do that. She can't act that way. She can't, you know, burn every relationship she has and then expect, like you said, this, this, this support system to come in when she needs it. It's just, that's not how life works. And when you're not a good person to people, they're not like, eventually it just didn't become too much and it's going to, It's they're not going to come and save you.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it's sad to think it's about really for sure. Sad. It's, like, it's really sad, uh... but it's, it's also just like at the end of the day, I know that she has it in her to pick herself back up and to, and to like, to like she, but it's, she's just not doing it. I don't know. And it's, I don't I don't. I mean, I think her Mark Daly is like, seems like a really, really horrible man and like has treated her so horribly. And I think that I think that part of this is just like him wearing down on her for for years at this point. I think that that's definitely part of it and again, it's not really yeah. making excuse for her behavior like I think a lot of these a lot of these women are really strong have dealt with like really hard things in their lives um but Kenda just is in such a bad place that it's like it's you know if you're not but if you're not gonna. She needs to ask, She needs to like be able to ask for help, yeah. and she can't bring herself to ask for that help.
0: I know. I do think she is a victim of emotional abuse by Mark Daly. I think so and too. Potentially physical. We don't know. I mean, he, how he was acting last season at that. Almost like was it the last episode where he had the charity event and oh my
1: god that, that was horrible. really
0: scary because that was being filmed and he knew that was being filmed so if he behaved that way on camera I can only exactly. imagine how awful he is you off have to camera wonder. Mm-hmm. it's really scary and I do feel in my heart for Kenya I feel like you know everyone's like well why don't you just leave well I don't think it's very easy to leave an abusive situation and that kind of question isn't really helpful um mm-hmm. it's like why don't you stop abusing to no, mark exactly. like that's what exactly. the question should be
1: that's literally i don't know if you saw this is like totally off like not the bravo worst but the fk twigs of that interview this week with gail king and they gail king literally asked that question to her and she was oh. like why well, i think it's it was it, it kind of went viral but was she was, was she like, was yes.
0: Shia La, whatever his name is Shia, Shia LaBeouf? yeah, yeah. and and,
1: and you know yeah. it, but she she had come out with all those abuse allegations against him in the new york times she just did this sit down interview with Gail King and Gail asked sort of like, what do you say to people who ask you why, why haven't you left? And she said, I will, I, you know, with all due respect, I think you're, I know that you're asking that from a good place, but I think it's time we stop asking that question. And we asked, yeah. why doesn't the abuser let me go? And I think mm. that, that honestly, that in, in, at least from an emotional standpoint, that absolutely applies to Mark and Kenya. It sounds yes. like he is, it sounds like he's tying her up with like, this this like this this divorce proceeding and and the, and the child and the, and the legal and, custody mm-hmm. stuff and like it just that must be that must wear her down so much that must be exhausting
0: I- Yeah, I think that's where she's coming from. But at the same time, I'm hoping that she I mean, she needs to have more than this one nanny. Right. And if it takes time to get to know a nanny and to know someone that will be a village for you, then you have to work on hiring that person because resources don't seem to be a constraint for her. She flew Mm -hmm. on a private jet. She flew private. Exactly. Yeah. So get, you know, get multiple people that can play this role in Brooklyn's life along with you. I totally agree. So that you can do your job, Mm -hmm. you know? And also because it's not very healthy to have a child that you never leave, like, for basic attachment. Like, the child needs to know that you will leave and come back. It's, like, an important lesson for a young child to learn Mm -hmm. that mommy's going to come back home when she leaves to go work.
1: Totally. You know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and I think I it kind of feels like sort of this like shadow over this current the season yeah, a little bit. Seems dark. Um it's it's definitely a little dark and like you even see it like with the Marlo stuff. It's like Marlo I think is actually pre- it actually seems like Marlo's pretty genuine in like wanting to clear the air, at least get to a cordial place with Kenya. because um, I think Marlo was really hurt by Kenya. I think that like I think you know, it made for an amazing TV moment when Kenya brought in that marching band to the to the <laughs> <laughs> the wig event that she had last season but like i actually think that really hurt marlo and i think that like marlo actually really wants to strike up something with with kenya in a genuine way and for kenya to like dismiss that so easily uh and without any sort of discussion was like just telling of the, of the place that she's in and it's sort of like imagine if we got to a place where marlo and kenya were like kind of like a dynamic duo or something like it's that, so like, the, much the... in
0: common with yeah. like Marlo is now taking care of her nephews yeah. and that's mm. not an easy situation to be in no. right Mm-mm. and there's legal per- you know like to be able to become the what is it the guardian of these right. children you have to deal with family court the same yeah. way that you know Kenya's dealing with family court right now in Brooklyn <sighs> That's why I just like I'm just like
1: why isn't Marlo a housewife like I would love to be seeing this stuff in Marlo's life and I uh, it's so frustrating because I think like to me, like actually, Marlowe, I think my pe- her and Portia are, are are my favorites on the show. and I, I just there is so much with Marlo, too that I'm just like, ugh, like we because of just like the the dynamic of a friend of, like we really don't get to know her in that way at least yet. and i and I and I and I want that for us.
0: I've heard two kind of explanations of why she's not full time, but I would like your thoughts on these because i I mean, uh, I have I've no heard idea. them too i, I oh, well, yeah, I've heard yeah.
1: I've heard I, well, I've heard that, like, Um, I think I've heard that she was offered it and she turned it down at one point. Yes. And I also heard that there's like somebody that's sort of like, there's sort of like a blocker there. I don't know if it's like, not like blacklisted, but sort of like, like there's some sort of like, like, no, like I won't do this. If she, if she, and maybe it's Kenya, I don't know. But like, I think that there, there, I think there might, there could be somebody who just like doesn't want her to be a housewife or to, and to have that kind of leveled up promotion. Um, I people always come back to like her criminal record and I'm like, she's not the only one with a criminal record and I don't think that, that would prevent her from being a housewife, honestly. Right. Um, I've
0: also heard that like, I don't know if it's from Bravo or whatever that she's again, people have said so many worse things, but she said a lot of like really anti-LGBTQ.
1: Yeah, for sure. Stuff. I think yeah, I've heard that too. And but I don't, I don't predict, think predict.
0: she takes it back. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Might that's, be that's, like That's that's,
1: a, that's, a, that's an yeah, that's an important caveat. I didn't really think of that. I Um, haven't
0: heard her ever apologize the way that Portia has apologized for the sermon that she did.
1: Mm. Well, that's, I mean, that's totally valid, especially if you consider like how much of like a queer friendly network she's on. Um, I will say I, I, I was, I was at that Bravo pride float last year and Marla was right there and I took, I took a picture with her. Like, I I don't don't think, I don't think that, I don't think that she, I don't
0: don't really believe that as Mm. the reason.
1: No, oh, no, me neither. Me neither. Yeah. No, I don't think that that would be enough. Like, she's on the show. Like, if they, if they took such offense to it, they wouldn't let her even be a friend of, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah,
0: I heard that um, one of the reasons she turned it down is that it was, like, very financially lucrative for her to be a friend of, because she's in so many of the episodes that actually she could be taking a pay cut, potentially, and losing um, more within a contract to totally. become a housewife. Like and that, that would make
1: that would make a lot of sense to me, actually. Um because she she yeah, she is in almost every episode. And but she also, <laughs> right. but also she but also she retains a lot of her freedom and she, some of her privacy. Um mm-hmm. But I do think at the end of the day, it's sort of like I think that especially in recent seasons and recent years, I think that Marlo to me, like it's clear that Marlo would accept a housewife offer if she was given another one. Like I think that I think that she knows. Like the, I think that the fan um mentality around her has become like extremely positive. Yeah. Especially in the absence of Nini and I think that if I think that she's leaning into that more. If you just like look at her like social media and she's like really kind of playing into like like with the fashion and like the like the really kind of like, iconic posts that she's putting up and she's I'm sort hilarious. of like she knows she knows she knows that she's funny. She knows that she has some of the best cool style on the show. She knows that fans kind of like live for her. So it's like I think at this point she would totally accept that offer like that's yeah. what i at least that's what i want to believe because i think that it would just like and how amazing would that be if like ahead of next season oh. bravo comes out and they announce that marlo hampton has a peach finally after a decade of being on the show like i kind of just got chills of thinking about that because to me it it kind of validates a lot of what she's given to the show and she's given so much and like it's just it's like that would be such a moment and i think that atlanta what's interesting about Atlanta is that it used to be like far and away the most highly rated show on Bravo. It used to yes. get so many viewers. Like it, it, it was always sort of like this moment. And I, and I don't think it's, it hasn't fully lost that. I think it's still one of the highest rated Housewives shows. It's still such a cultural moment. I think, especially in the, in the black community, watching the show, it's, it's a really big TV program. And, but I think that it's sort of, it's it needs something to like kind of set this spark again, I think, under it. And it's this season really isn't that spark. And I think imagine what it would do like if if it was like, okay, Marlo's full time. And it's just sort of like I think that a lot of longtime fans would celebrate that. People might come back to the show that maybe have left it.
0: I, I would think want it would be that, such a moment. And I would want another new housewife that is in their upper forties or fifties i i I don't need yeah. another no, thirty two they, they, year they old need they need, they
1: need at least I think that this trip is really emblematic of the fact that like Atlanta works best when there's a lot when there's more women around mm-hmm. like I think some of the best seasons of Atlanta is when there's like when there're like seven or eight housewives and it's like I mean right right now it's like we have five and then like four or five friends of, <laughs> which is like crazy, <laughs> but like but there's a reason why this trip has been the best of this has been the best part of the season is because there's so many people around even Shamia. I'm like, I would love Shamia apparently who who was, whose husband apparently prevented her from, from accepting a housewife offer in the past. You know, she's on the younger side, but I think that she, if she was given sort of that power of being a peach holder and being able to really kind of like sink her teeth into the show, I think Shamia could be really amazing. And so I'm sort of like, I think that, you know, Atlanta needs like the more women around the better. And, um, you know, I don't know if like having, I don't know if like Fallon as a friend of is really giving me much. I don't know if, yeah. Um, no. I mean, La- Latoya is bringing a lot of in terms of like instigating stuff. I don't personally love Latoya, but um yeah, I just think Atlanta works better when there's more dynamic to go around, and there's there's it makes it more complicated. Definitely.
0: Well, yeah. Before we uh, kind of wrap up, any thoughts on yeah. Summer House? Are you watching?
1: I am watching Summer House. I, (laughs) you know, my my journey with Summer House has been a long one. I think that like Summer House in its first two seasons was not a good show. Like I watched it because I live in New York and I sort of related to some of the life they were living by like, you know, in in the summer here, you do kind of like. Go away for the weekend a lot, whether it's the Hamptons or somewhere else. But, like, I, I, I wanted to see people that sort of I could relate to their lifestyle. And the show did not get it right in the first few seasons because the cast was just not right. But it's slowly to me become a better and better show. Um, and I, I'm i currently loving this season, the fifth season. Yeah. Um, I think that like locking, locking them in a house is, is like just it, obviously it's gonna make for good TV. And I think. What's interesting about this season to me is that part of the reason why Summer House was able to turn turn it around was the casting of season three, which was when they added Jordan, Paige, and Hannah. Mm -hmm. And I think that Paige and Hannah broke out really as this really great dynamic duo who brought um, just like kind of a refreshing humor to it. And they, they kind of, they, they kind of were more, again, more aware of like what needed to happen on this show to make it a success. But what's interesting to me is that in this fifth season, Hannah's likability and Hannah's kind of like to me favorability is has like plummeted mm-hmm. like to me like I think she's I think it's clear that she's not gonna have a good season It's like she's really um you know obviously I think Luke dicked her around and, and, and Luke really kind of played her around but I'm surprised with how she's reacting to it on camera and it's not a good look for her I don't and, know if
0: I believe it is that crazy like well I don't she, she's got this new boyfriend and the timeline is the timeline's
1: weird. The timeline's definitely weird. And it was similarly weird last year with Lindsay and her boyfriend. It was similarly like when she came in with Carl, like, and I, and I kind of think that they had been dating before. Maybe they weren't exclusive or maybe whatever, but there's definitely some interesting ways that they sort of play with the timeline into these, (laughs) into these summers where they sort of like delay the introduction of the actual boyfriend, I think. But like, but that being said, You know, I don't think Hannah's a good enough actress to like be having be like bought to cry on cue like like it like that would kind of explain. But I think she I think that she sort of really genuinely kind of felt some of this stuff for Luke and was maybe a little bit delusional about where they stood together. Like they weren't they she keeps on saying they were dating and like they weren't really dating, at least from what we saw like they were texting and they were like hook yeah. up and they would like maybe go to dinner during the week once no, or twice. But like- I had
0: a very similar relationship, but I mm. was like twenty four when it happened. So it was it was different. But it was a guy who was older than me and like we became best friends, right? Mm. Like but like very close. We would share our deepest, darkest secrets, our like innermost insecurities, everything. We would laugh the hardest. And then there was this flirting and hooking Mm -hmm. up but we weren't together and 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 it messes with you because like you i was like well i'm just whatever i'm cool i'm gonna be the cool girl i'm not gonna like force him into anything but then you get hurt because you really want something to be more serious and -hmm. the kinds of conversations you have are those of a very serious relationship right so it like messes with you so i i totally get where she's coming from but she's he also was telling her this isn't a relationship. I'm seeing other people. Exactly. I'm not over my like he was telling her those things, and she was choosing not to,
1: which is so interesting because yeah. part of Hannah's whole platform is like she has a relationship podcast, and she's and she and she, <laughs> and she and she like is sort of like known to be this like kind of self like more self aware like takes humorous kind of approaches to relate like to like talking about relationships and sort of what happens in them. But then when she's actually in this situation, she kind of loses all of that. And I think that's a very interesting um, kind of dynamic for her. And yeah, I just think it's, I, I just think it's, it'll be, it'll be, I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to kind of the, the perception of Hannah going, going forward in, in this season, because I don't, I think that's setting her up to not have a great one.
0: So you should go back two weeks and listen to my podcast. I have Jamie Stein on, who's an empath and intuitive. Oh, great. And he goes just for 20 minutes only. He explains to me why he believes Hannah is the true villain of Summer House and always has been.
1: Interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to listen so to that. And so he
0: explains like season three, season four, or why. And then it. I think... It, it connected some dots for me. But the thing I don't like about Hannah is that on her podcast, she made it sound like, oh, I'm going to talk about you know all these deep things like mental health and depression right. and anxiety. And then I don't think she has the potential intelligence or emotional intelligence to like address those topics with humor or grace. And... I've seen, like, these things pop up, like, Sophie Ross has been posting, where her right. and Paige are mm-hmm. laughing at um, calling someone autistic. And, you know, another time where she was laughing with a friend of hers about Luke being suicidal after breaking mm-hmm. up with his ex. And, like, these are things that, there are definitely things you can laugh at with regards to mental health. Like, I'm, I love dark humor, but mm-hmm. I feel like she's missing the beat on it and there's a little bit lack of empathy and it, it she seems cruel sometimes and judgmental when she's pretending like that's the opposite of who she is. And I don't like people selling me on being something that I don't think they are.
1: I think that's really well put and I think <laughs> I, I I've actually never listened to Hannah's podcast. I just sort of like that's that but you're saying it's sort of like it's just how she advertises. Yeah. it versus like what she's actually selling. And, um, that's, I mean, it's really, uh, it's problematic to be <laughs> it's honest problematic. because it, it's, yeah. it's because it's just, you know, uh, especially when you're talking about such serious issues. And I did see some of those things pop up and it just like, it, 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 I was, I was curious to know why it didn't sort of like become a bigger thing. Actually that some of that blowback, um,
0: I think she was that, likable, th- right. When people, when we have our favorites, right. we don't like to call them out. Totally, it's totally. easier to call out a Kelly Dodd than it is to call out a Hannah Burner during her prime.
1: Totally. Yeah. To- I mean, I think that that's spot on. And I think that, you know, I think some of these, so, well, I think I, I love, I love podcasts and I love listening to podcasts, but sometimes the issue is that like, it's so, it's so unfiltered and if you're in the public eye, You have to be careful about that. Like it's it's like, it's got you. And especially if you're talking about mental health, you have to have that awareness, especially like they are in charge of the editing of these podcasts. And so I'm just sort of like, how are you obviously don't even say it in the first place. Like, like, like choose your words carefully. But like the fact that you, the fact that they didn't, that they didn't sort of like internally flag some of these things first is also pretty telling to me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the most telling, right? That they yeah. don't realize that sometimes exactly. things they Until say. Until they're called on it. Yeah. And th- but then the thing is then get called on it, realize that you hurt a segment of people and then, you know, reflect on why and do better. And they, they don't seem do to want to do that either. So Totally.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah. They don't they want the they don't want the actual responsibility of what that would mean, which is like, you know, you, you have this position of, of influence and you have this big platform. If you're going to say something reckless like that, you have to also be able to have the hard conversation of apologizing for it and understanding exactly why it was wrong. And it's 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 not great that they're not doing that. Um, it's just
0: interesting. It's like if you – I think most people can't do that, right? I think yeah. most people like don't have the self-awareness. But a lot of these women on these shows don't also have these podcasts. They don't put themselves out there mm-hmm. to be – to give more, to – give people to kind of yeah. criticize or whatever. It's just interesting. I think, um, yeah, that she doesn't have the like emotional maturity know, or something. And
1: you know what the 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 best sort of like comparison for me is is, is with Lindsay Hubbard. Lindsay Hubbard doesn't have a podcast. Lindsay Hubbard probably has gone on podcast. I mean or she has been on mine actually, but like but she, she her and Hannah had drama to kick off the to kick off the season because Hannah said too much on a podcast about Lindsay. And like and, like, that, that, that's why Lindsay was not at hand. And I think that's, like, perfectly emblematic of, like, this whole situation of just, like, she's not really choosing her words wisely. Hannah isn't. Um, and to me, like, Lindsay is a true star of Summer House. I think that Lindsay is, like, a really great reality TV star. And I think that she is just, like, I think that she's, like, so electric to watch. And like She is. I, she, she's, like, when you think of, like, any sort of, like, iconic moment from the show or any catchphrase from the show, it's coming from her. You know, she's her the one.
0: Her
1: or her, yeah, her or Kyle, they're, they're both really great, I think. Um, but to me, like, I would prefer, I would take Lindsay over Hannah on the on this show oh, yeah. any day of the week because, like, I think that Lindsay's being pretty straight up with us. I think that Lindsay doesn't, I think that Hannah, you know, you want, she wants us to think that she is like a no bullshit person, but Lindsay's the actual no bullshit person in, in that house. Totally. To me, Lindsay, 100%. to me, Lindsay is like, she doesn't take shit from anybody. She will, you don't want to see her activated because she will go there. <laughs> I know she and will. She tells you She totally will. And, and she's not lying. Like she is going to fucking go there. And that's what I so love and appreciate about her. Um, and, you know, we're going to see another thing that I'm interested about is they just announced Winter House, which is they're going to film I, in, oh in Stowe, Vermont, <laughs> which is like they're taking select, they're taking select Summer House people. And then Austin and Craig from Southern Charm, which I will say, I wish that I mean, I'm really excited for the prospect of this show, but I wish that they were even doing more of a mix. I wish they even like what if they had taken I mean what if they brought Pringle up there what if they had thrown like Dana and Charlie from pump rules and put them over there like I I would have liked more of a mix for sure but that being said to like one thing that I'm really interested in seeing is one Lindsay's going to be there so I wonder if she I wonder if like there's gonna be like a cross pollination hookup situation she's totally
0: gonna hook up with Austin.
1: A hundred percent. And they're also, they're, <laughs> she was on my podcast. And they're really good friends. They, she said they talk like five times a week. So it could oh be one God. of those things where, a friend, where <laughs> the friendship turns into the, into the relationship. And Paige is going to be there without Hannah, which I think is going to be a really interesting test for her, honestly, to see sort of, because they are sort of codependent on Summerhouse, and they are sort of thought of as this duo. I think because they came in together, they sleep in the same bed, whatever. I want to see Paige, Hannah and see how that goes, to be honest.
0: I'm really excited for that. I heard that they wanted the Toms to come, but the Toms didn't want to leave their wives, but why not get like Sandoval like, and Ariana?
1: Well, I don't understand because also Kyle and Amanda get to go together. So like, why can't Sandoval and Ariana or, or, or Schwartz and Katie go together? I don't understand. That doesn't I, make sense. I don't know. Me. Yeah. And like, and also they're the two, they're the two on pump that aren't pregnant. So like, they were the only really options, <laughs> options. From, a, from a couple <laughs> That's perspective. True. Um, but I think that Winter House, like, even if this is just this first season of Winter House, like, I think that as a concept, it's really because for how many how many years have people been wanting the crossover event? Right. Yes. Like, they're, 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 people have wanted the All-Stars Housewives season for a long time. They want it was so fun back in the day when they used to sort of like have, you know, um, you know, what was it like Brandy would pop up on, with Kristen on New York or, or or like there would be like little like kind of cameos but this is like really laying the groundwork for a potentially like a really amazing continuous crossover thing. Like they can have, they can have Winterhouse season two and have a whole different group in there, you know? Yeah. Like, like if, if, if having the couple in there doesn't work, they can take Kyle and Amanda out and they can put some more singles from pump rules, which eventually is going to come back. Or they can bring more Southern charm people up there. And like, to me, like, that's like. Th- these younger shows on Bravo with the younger cast, like this is like basically like a real world situation that they're doing just I'm you know so locked excited. in the house in in the in the winter like fuck me up like I, i'll eat that up any day like I'm, <laughs> know. I'm here for that and
0: it'll be fun to watch in the summer right because we always yes. watch summer house in, in the like the late of winter early spring and i think it'll be fun like late summer early fall to watch winter house
1: I'm excited for it. Yeah. even they, they could even throw some of the Shaws in there. Like they're also on the younger yeah. side when it comes, the, the Shaws and Sunset people. I'm just, I'm now my mind is just rolling with what <laughs> the show could eventually be, you know? So I'm excited for, I'm excited for it. I think it, you know, they're, they're giving us what we want Bravo these days. Yeah, they really I
0: was so nervous last March. I was like, this pandemic yeah. is going to last 18 to 24 months on the short end how the hell are we going to get through this? We're going to we're going to rely on TV at the time when TV is stopping production, exactly. Right, and yeah. then it just they found a way. They found a way. Life I think finds a way. Some,
1: some, <laughs> life finds a way. And like. <laughs> you know and and I think it's also like if you think like that could be a whole other podcast episode which is like just like kind of analyzing these shows from that perspective because like it's not working for all the shows like OC I don't even I don't watch Real Housewives of OC it's the one that I don't watch and like it but it clearly did not work for that show it's not it didn't fully work for Atlanta I don't think because like the first half of the season wasn't great but they're finding I think they they, they eventually found their footing like Jersey who like again we talked about sort of like I don't know how conscious they are of, of Covid protocols from the cast <laughs> perspective, but this season's going to be amazing. Dallas is Dallas having is besties. working. Dallas is working. Um, you know, Summer House worked. So, like, you know, we're we're, we're they really they really they made it happen. And um, as as Shita Shea likes to say, it's all happening. And it's and, all um, happening. It's all fucking happening. So, wow, we're we're blessed right now. Come we're on, very It's very blessed.
0: <laughs> I am just. I am overjoyed I mean, at the amount of programming we just went for two we hours have. talking about I know. <laughs>
1: all this amazing. Like, <laughs> like, I'm here for it.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on, Gibson. Oh God, Tell everyone where so they fun. can find your podcast and find you on social.
1: Yeah, so my podcast is We Should Talk. We have new episodes every Thursday. Each episode is me sort of riffing on something to do with pop culture. And then I have like a 30-minute interview with – a celebrity whether that's a housewife or a bachelorette or any other some somewhere in between there um so you can rate review and subscribe to we should talk anywhere you get your podcasts and you can follow me gibson at gibsonoma on instagram and twitter twitter i li- i live tweet like every bravo show like every week like that's just become my quarantine hobby and um yeah so follow me if you, if you want more
0: thank you so much we'll have of to course. have you this on so again
1: <laughs> i'm always down
0: take care. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, I encourage you to go give it a five-star review and maybe write a nice comment. And be sure to follow me on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. Have a great week, everyone.